Section 52 of Gray's Anatomy, Part 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Laurie Ann Walden. Anatomy of the Human Body, Part 2, by Henry Gray. The Muscles and Fascia of the Leg, Part 1. The muscles of the leg may be divided into three groups, anterior, posterior, and lateral. 1. The anterior crural muscles. Tibialis anterior, extensor digitorum longus, extensor hallucis longus, perineus tertius. Deep fascia, fascia cruris. The deep fascia of the leg forms a complete investment to the muscles, and is fused with the periosteum over the subcutaneous surfaces of the bones. It is continuous above with the fascia lata, and is attached around the knee to the patella, the ligamentum patellae, the tuberosity and condyles of the tibia, and the head of the fibula. Behind it forms the popliteal fascia, covering in the popliteal fossa. Here it is strengthened by transverse fibers, and perforated by the small saphenous vein. It receives an expansion from the tendon of the biceps femoris laterally, and from the tendons of the sartorius, gracilis, semitendinosus, and semimembranosus medially. In front, it blends with the periosteum covering the subcutaneous surface of the tibia, and with that covering the head and malleolus of the fibula. Below it is continuous with the transverse crural and laciniate ligaments. It is thick and dense in the upper and anterior part of the leg, and gives attachment, by its deep surface, to the tibialis anterior and extensor digitorum longus, but thinner behind, where it covers the gastrocnemius and soleus. It gives off from its deep surface, on the lateral side of the leg, two strong intermuscular septa, the anterior and posterior perineal septa, which enclose the perinei longus and brevis, and separate them from the muscles of the anterior and posterior cruel regions, and several more slender processes, which enclose the individual muscles in each region. A broad transverse intermuscular septum, called the deep transverse fascia of the leg, intervenes between the superficial and deep posterior crural muscles. The tibialis anterior, tibialis anticus, is situated on the lateral side of the tibia. It is thick and fleshy above, tendinous below. It arises from the lateral condyle and upper half, or two-thirds of the lateral surface, of the body of the tibia from the adjoining part of the interosseous membrane, from the deep surface of the fascia, and from the intermuscular septum between it and the extensor digitorum longus. The fibers run vertically downward and end in a tendon, which is apparent on the anterior surface of the muscle at the lower third of the leg. After passing through the most medial compartments of the transverse and cruciate crural ligaments, it is inserted into the medial and under surface of the first cuneiform bone and the base of the first metatarsal bone this muscle overlaps the anterior tibial vessels and deep perineal nerve in the upper part of the leg variations a deep portion of the muscle is rarely inserted into the talus or a tendinous slip may pass to the head of the first metatarsal bone or the base of the first phalanx of the great toe the tibiofascialis anterior, 
a small muscle from the lower part of the tibia to the transverse or cruciate crural ligaments or deep fascia. The extensor hallucis longus, extensor proprius hallucis, is a thin muscle situated between the tibialis anterior and the extensor digitorum longus. It arises from the anterior surface of the fibula for about the middle two-fourths of its extent, medial to the origin of the extensor digitorum longus. It also arises from the interosseous membrane to a similar extent. The anterior tibial vessels and deep perineal nerve lie between it and the tibialis anterior. The fibers pass downward and end in a tendon, which occupies the anterior border of the muscle, passes through a distinct compartment in the cruciate crural ligament, crosses from the lateral to the medial side of the anterior tibial vessels near the bend of the ankle, and is inserted into the base of the distal phalanx of the great toe. Opposite the metatarsophalangeal articulation, the tendon gives off a thin prolongation on either side to cover the surface of the joint. An expansion from the medial side of the tendon is usually inserted into the base of the proximal phalanx. Variations Occasionally united at its origin with the extensor digitorum longus, extensor ossus metatarsi hallucis, a small muscle, sometimes found as a slip from the extensor hallucis longus, or from the tibialis anterior, or from the extensor digitorum longus, or as a distinct muscle, it traverses the same compartment of the transverse ligament with the extensor hallucis longus. The extensor digitorum longus is a piniform muscle, situated at the lateral part of the front of the leg. It arises from the lateral condyle of the tibia, from the upper three-fourths of the anterior surface of the body of the fibula, from the upper part of the interosseous membrane, from the deep surface of the fascia, and from the intermuscular septa between it and the tibialis anterior on the medial, and the perinei on the lateral side. Between it and the tibialis anterior are the upper portions of the anterior tibial vessels and deep perineal nerve. The tendon passes under the transverse and cruciate crural ligaments, in company with the perineus tertius, and divides into four slips, which run forward on the dorsum of the foot, and are inserted into the second and third phalanges of the four lesser toes. The tendons to the second, third, and fourth toes are each joined opposite the metatarsophalangeal articulation, on the lateral side by a tendon of the extensor digitorum brevis. The tendons are inserted in the following manner. Each receives a fibrous expansion from the interossei and lumbricalis, and then spreads out into a broad aponeurosis, which covers the dorsal surface of the first phalanx. This aponeurosis, at the articulation of the first with the second phalanx, divides into three slips, an intermediate, which is inserted into the base of the second phalanx, and two collateral slips, which, after uniting on the dorsal surface of the second phalanx, are continued onward, to be inserted into the base of the third phalanx. Variations. This muscle varies considerably in the modes of origin and the arrangement of its various tendons. The tendons to the second and fifth toes may be found doubled, or extra slips are given off from one or more tendons to their corresponding metatarsal bones, or to the short extensor, or to one of the interosseous muscles. 
a slip to the great toe from the innermost tendon has been found. The perineus tertius is a part of the extensor digitorum longus, and might be described as its fifth tendon. The fibers belonging to this tendon arise from the lower third or more of the anterior surface of the fibula, from the lower part of the interosseous membrane, and from an intermuscular septum between it and the perineus brevis. The tendon, after passing under the transverse and cruciate crural ligaments, in the same canal as the extensor digitorum longus, is inserted into the dorsal surface of the base of the metatarsal bone of the little toe. This muscle is sometimes wanting. Nerves. These muscles are supplied by the fourth and fifth lumbar and first sacral nerves through the deep perineal nerve. Actions. The tibialis anterior and perineus tertius are the direct flexors of the foot at the ankle joint. The former muscle, when acting in conjunction with the tibialis posterior, raises the medial border of the foot, i.e., inverts the foot, and the latter, acting with the perinei brevis and longus, raises the lateral border of the foot, i.e., everts the foot. The extensor digitorum longus and extensor hallucis longus extend the phalanges of the toes, and, continuing their action, flex the foot upon the leg. Taking their fixed points from below, in the erect posture, all these muscles serve to fix the bones of the leg in the perpendicular position, and give increased strength to the ankle joint. 2. The posterior crural muscles. The muscles of the back of the leg are subdivided into two groups, superficial and deep. Those of the superficial group constitute a powerful muscular mass, forming the calf of the leg. Their large size is one of the most characteristic features of the muscular apparatus in man, and bears a direct relation to his erect attitude and his mode of progression. The superficial group, gastrocnemius, soleus, plantaris. The gastrocnemius is the most superficial muscle, and forms the greater part of the calf. It arises by two heads, which are connected to the condyles of the femur by strong, flat tendons. The medial and larger head takes its origin from a depression at the upper and back part of the medial condyle, and from the adjacent part of the femur. The lateral head arises from an impression on the side of the lateral condyle, and from the posterior surface of the femur, immediately above the lateral part of the condyle. Both heads, also, arise from the subjacent part of the capsule of the knee. Each tendon spreads out into an aponeurosis, which covers the posterior surface of that portion of the muscle to which it belongs. From the anterior surfaces of these tendinous expansions, muscular fibers are given off, those of the medial head being thicker and extending lower than those of the lateral. The fibers unite at an angle in the middle line of the muscle in a tendinous raphe, which expands into a broad aponeurosis on the anterior surface of the muscle, and into this the remaining fibers are inserted. The aponeurosis, gradually contracting, unites with the tendon of the soleus, and forms with it the tendocalcaneus. Variations Absence of the outer head, or of the entire muscle extra slips from the popliteal surface of the femur. The soleus is a broad, flat muscle situated immediately in front of the gastrocnemius, 
It arises by tendinous fibers from the back of the head of the fibula, and from the upper third of the posterior surface of the body of the bone, from the popliteal line and the middle third of the medial border of the tibia. Some fibers also arise from a tendinous arch placed between the tibial and fibular origins of the muscle, in front of which the popliteal vessels and tibial nerve run. The fibers end in an aponeurosis which covers the posterior surface of the muscle, and, gradually becoming thicker and narrower, joins with the tendon of the gastrocnemius, and forms with it the tendocalcaneus. Variations Accessory head to its lower and inner part, usually ending in the tendocalcaneus, or the calcaneus, or the liciniate ligament. The gastrocnemius and soleus together form a muscular mass which is occasionally described as the triceps surae. Its tendon of insertion is the tendocalcaneus. Tendocalcaneus, tendo-achilles. The tendocalcaneus, the common tendon of the gastrocnemius and soleus, is the thickest and strongest in the body. It is about 15 centimeters long and begins near the middle of the leg, but receives fleshy fibers on its anterior surface almost to its lower end. Gradually becoming contracted below, it is inserted into the middle part of the posterior surface of the calcaneus, a bursa being interposed between the tendon and the upper part of this surface. The tendon spreads out somewhat at its lower end, so that its narrowest part is about four centimeters above its insertion. It is covered by the fascia and the integument, and is separated from the deep muscles and vessels by a considerable interval filled up with areolar and adipose tissue. Along its lateral side, but superficial to it, is the small saphenous vein. The plantaris is placed between the gastrocnemius and soleus. It arises from the lower part of the lateral prolongation of the linea aspera and from the oblique popliteal ligament of the knee joint. It forms a small fusiform belly, from seven to ten centimeters long, ending in a long, slender tendon which crosses obliquely between the two muscles of the calf, and runs along the medial border of the tendocalcaneus, to be inserted with it into the posterior part of the calcaneus. This muscle is sometimes double, and at other times wanting. Occasionally its tendon is lost in the liciniate ligament, or in the fascia of the leg. Nerves. The gastrocnemius and soleus are supplied by the first and second sacral nerves, and the plantaris by the fourth and fifth lumbar and first sacral nerves, through the tibial nerve. Actions. The muscles of the calf are the chief extensors of the foot at the ankle joint. They possess considerable power and are constantly called into use in standing, walking, dancing, and leaping, hence the large size they usually present. In walking, these muscles raise the heel from the ground. The body being thus supported on the raised foot, the opposite limb can be carried forward. In standing, the soleus, taking its fixed point from below, steadies the leg upon the foot and prevents the body from falling forward. The gastrocnemius, acting from below, serves to flex the femur upon the tibia, assisted by the popliteus. The plantaris is the rudiment of a large muscle which, in some of the lower animals, is continued over the calcaneus to be inserted into the plantar aponeurosis. In man it is an accessory to the gastrocnemius, 
extending the ankle if the foot be free, or bending the knee if the foot be fixed. End of section 52